Let's turn for a little to the chapter we read in uh, John's Gospel, John chapter 15. I'm reading again at verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Now, as we know, the, this discourse in the upper room is something that uh, really touches the heart of every believer. And I'm sure if there are places in the Bible that you would say, I would love to have been able to have been transported back in time if, it was, <laughs> if that sort of thing had been possible, which we obviously can't do. Uh, but if you were in some way able to be transported back into particular situations at particular times, I'm quite sure that this would be one place that you would love to have been able to get into, to the upper room, to be in the company of the disciples with Jesus. Because it was a very, very special time and uh, there's such a sense of intimacy, such a sense of love and friendship there. And the word abiding features very strongly in this chapter, as it's a chapter that focuses very much upon uh, relationships and also upon responsibility. As branches, our uh, responsibility is to abide. That's what one of the things we see here. And as friends, our great responsibility is to obey. Now, as we know, friendship is one of the, the great blessings of this world. This world would be an incredibly isolated and lonely place were it not for friends. One of the blessings that God has given to us, something of the intimacy of friendship, whether that friendship is the friendship within marriage, the friendship within families, the friendship within uh, at workplaces, the friendship of just friends that we have. It's one of the great blessings of life. And it's very interesting that in, in Eden, after God had declared over everything that he had made, it is very good, each day, each morning and evening, uh, we find that the Lord is saying, it is good, it is good. But the one thing, not that there was anything wrong in anything that the Lord had created, but in the condition in which Adam was, God said it is not good uh, for the man to be alone. Adam was all on his own, uh, and he was very acutely aware of his own particular isolation. And uh, that's not surprising because... Uh, Adam was made in the image of God. And we've got to remember that even within the Godhead, the three persons within the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there is this presence and communication and fullness of fellowship one with, with another. So it's not surprising that in, in Eden there is this sense of loneliness, this sense of, uh, like I say, of needing someone else. And of course, that is exactly what the Lord did. He provided uh, for Adam. He provided Eve. And uh, while Eve, of course, became his wife, also became his friend. And that's what the Lord has given to us in life. Of course, I'm not saying that everybody's going to marry, but at whatever level, our friends are vitally important to us in this world that we live in. And one of the great blessings that God has given to us. Can you imagine, do we, how often do we stop and actually thank the Lord for our friends? Because uh, so often they have, they've been there, they've been helped us, they've been props for us, they've, 
the life would be just so difficult were it not for the friends that we've been given in this world. Now, <clears throat> the Lord, of course, as we say, has made us for each other. But above all, while we need the friendship and the fellowship in this world with one another, and that's one of the great things of communion time. It is a time of communion, of fellowship with one another. That's one of the great things when we sit at the Lord's table and we share. We share the bread, we share the cup. And it is pointing to this joining together, this being one together in Christ Jesus. And while, of course, this communion is essential with one another, of course, primarily it is essential that we have this communion and this fellowship and this friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ. As we know that uh, the Lord has, has made us for himself, and the soul, it was Augustine who was always saying that, the soul is restless until it finds rest in you. And how true uh, that is. So friendship is something that's, that's uh, incredibly important within the Christian faith. And I suppose, not that I've studied uh, other world religions in any great depths at all, but one of, I feel one of the unique features of the Christian faith is that God becomes a friend with his people. God was termed the friend. Abraham was termed the friend of God. I don't think you find that sort of thing happening in any of the other world religions. This intimacy, this personalness. And it's part one, many of the, there's so many unique aspects uh, to the Christian faith. So we have here Jesus uh, calling his people friends. And of course there's a great difference between servants and friends. Because it doesn't matter how diligent a servant may be, doesn't matter how much this particular servant may do for a master, that servant will always remain just that, a servant. Will never come into the place where the, that person becomes a friend. So Jesus is calling his disciples friends. And the actual word that Jesus uses here means a friend in court. And kind of describes the inner circle that a king may have of people where there is almost like secret things discussed, where it's an inner circle that nobody else breaks into. That this is between the king and his close, close advisors or close circle of friends. It's also the kind of idea that we have of like the, the best man, of the, the, again in the Bible times, the best man was called the friend or the bridegroom. And again, spiritually speaking, Jesus is the bridegroom, and we are like the, like the, the friend of the bridegroom. We, that's what we are. Jesus says, you are my friends. And of course, a best man is somebody who's, who's a great friend of the groom. And that's, again, something of the idea that we have here of the friendship that exists between the Christian and between the Lord. So Jesus is saying, Behold, I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. And so there's this sense of this great intimacy that uh, here is Jesus, and he's saying, Look, you're my friends. And all that the Father has given to me, that you need to know, I am going to give to you. 
And that's one of the wonderful things that happens as we journey along in the Christian faith. That there is a constant opening up of the things of God. You know, you you work with people who aren't Christians. You live beside people who aren't Christians. You're involved with people who aren't Christians. Might be lovely people. And you're engaging with them all the time. And yet there's, a, there's this incredible... There are many differences. But one is that you are having spiritual nourishment that they aren't. You are seeing things at a different, with different eyes, as it were, to them. And that is because you are a friend and secrets are being revealed to you. Indeed, it would, it would indicate to us that the, that the Hebrew word uh, for friendship uh, is uh, the same as secret. And that's something that we have in, in Psalm 25, which we're singing there. So the, like, the, the friendship of the Lord with those who fear him uh, involves sharing of secrets. And in a sense, that's what's happening all the time, that the Lord is sharing the secrets that the world don't know. The world uh, isn't able to grasp or to understand. It's not that those out of Christ are thick. They might have amazing IQs. But it's just that they haven't got a spiritual understanding that you have. Because the Lord has opened your mind. You are his friend. He opened your mind. And whenever he opened your heart and opened your mind, it was in order that you will receive the things of God. That's why you have an appetite for the things of God. That's why you're here tonight. Because you have an appetite. You come wanting. You're saying when you come, hope I get something for my soul tonight. It's like you're going out to a restaurant, going out to eat. You're going out... You want something. Say, I hope there's something good there. I hope there's something good on the menu. hope I enjoy it. And when you come to God's house, there's always this, you're hoping, you know, I hope there's something there. Something that'll, that'll satisfy. Something that'll help me as I journey along the way. And that's what the Lord is doing because you are his friend. And he wants the, the very, very best for you. And so we see, we see that uh, we are the, the friends of Christ. And one of the first things that we'd say about uh, the friendship, of any friendship, is that friendship is founded on knowledge. It's very difficult to be a friend of somebody if you don't know that person. When you look back over your life, and I'm sure you, you still have, it doesn't matter how old you are, you will still have friends from school. And very often a friendship started because you ended up sitting beside somebody in school. Or you found that you had things in common. And the more you got to know that person, the the deeper that friendship became. And although you may go your separate ways and live in different places, there's still that friendship, still that bond. And that friendship is built upon knowledge. And it's still the same with us with regard uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there are two aspects to that. Now, well, I suppose different aspects. But one aspect is that is, this knowledge is built upon our, our understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, we cannot believe in someone that we don't know. That's why the Bible says that it's so important. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? That's a great duty that is placed upon the church to go out and to, to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ because people cannot believe 
You know, it's all very well to sit and say, ah, you know, there aren't so many Christians nowadays as there used to be. But do we tell people, do we, when the opportunity uh, is given to us, do we tell people about Jesus Christ and tell them, not just that there is Jesus, but tell them a little about who Jesus is and what Jesus does. How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So there's a huge responsibility placed upon us to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's one of the first things that happens is that the Holy Spirit has convinced you in your mind of the truth of who Jesus is. And you saw Jesus as somebody who was able to save you. But there isn't just an an intellectual, as it were, knowledge. There is also a heart knowledge. Where there is within your heart, the Holy Spirit opens up your heart in order to receive Jesus. The Jesus that you have heard about, the Jesus that you begin to know about, is now the Jesus that you really want to know. And this knowledge comes by receiving Jesus. And uh, that's what that's what happens uh, within our Christian life. That's what happens as we go on. Because this knowledge that we have is a knowledge that is never satisfied with just saying, oh, well, that's me. I've come to know, you know something? I'm a Christian. I know enough about Jesus that he is able to save me and I believe that he has saved me and uh, that'll do me. But you, that's not what a Christian does. Once we have come to know Jesus We want to know more and more about him. That's what the the apostle says. I know in whom I have believed. And uh, again it tells us uh, that. that, uh, But as many as received him to them. He gave power to become the sons of God. And so we want to know more and more and more about him. That was remember the apostle Paul's great prayer. That I might know him. And you say to Paul, Paul, you know him. Probably there were very few people in this world who ever knew Jesus at the level that the Apostle Paul knew. But Paul was not satisfied with just having known a bit about Jesus and coming to know him intimately at a level. What he knew of Jesus means that he wanted to know more and more and more and more and more. And that is a hunger that is born within the heart. And that's, that's exactly how it is with you. We've said it often enough before, but very often when you come to know people, and you know, I think that's one of the great things about friends is that you pre- prepare to overlook the faults. You know, if you've got really close friends, and you, you see, you're aware, and you say, oh, well, you see their faults, and you know their blemishes. But you're prepared to overlook them. And you know, you say, oh, I, I know that's the way they are, but he is still my friend, she's still my friend. That's what friendships, part of the great thing about friendships. But the wonderful thing about Jesus is that the more we come to know him, which is normally the opposite to our human knowledge of people, because usually the more we come to know about people, the more we begin to realize and see the faults and the failings and we think, I never saw that side to him before. Didn't know she was like that. Didn't know that's the way he reacted. Oh, I'm not too sure about that side. And 
the more we get to know, the more we see maybe some of the negatives. That will never ever be the case as we get to know Jesus. Because the more we get to know him, the more wonderful he becomes. The more spotless, the more precious, the more loving, the more gracious. And there's just this ever-growing desire within our heart to, to know more and more about him. And so uh, we see that this love, of course, that we have for Jesus is a reflection of his love first to us. Because we love him because he first loved us. And, of course, the basis, we find that the, 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 the reflection of our love to him is displayed in our obedience. You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do what I have commanded you. And so that's quite a, that's quite a sobering and quite a challenging thought. And the wonderful thing, though, about Jesus' friendship is that it's a friendship forever. You know, I, th- I suppose one of the sad things in life is that sometimes friends fall out. People who are real friends with one another. And that friendship is broken up. And sometimes people who are really, really good friends, they, they won't even speak to one another. The, the breakup, the, the fallout has been so bad. But the wonderful thing is that the friendship that we have with Jesus is an everlasting friendship. It's forever. And Jesus will never, ever, ever, ever fall out of, friend, of being a friend with us. It's not a wonderful thing. Never. Because I'm sure every single one of us here, and you know it's often at a time as we come to communion time, and we're, we're conscious of coming to the table, and we're conscious of that it's, it is, it's, a special, it's, it's a means of grace to strengthen our faith, but we're always aware that it's kind of a high point within our Christian journey. And we become more acutely aware of our own faults and failings because the Word of God says, let a person, let a man or a woman examine themselves. It's one of the things that we're required to do before we eat and drink, to examine ourselves. And that, that is something that happens when we see the table on the horizon and we reflect upon the fact that we're going in this way to do what the Lord asked us to do and to take of his broken body and shed blood in a symbolic way. There is this that straight away begins to, to look at ourselves and we begin to see the impurity. We begin to see the ways we've let the Lord down, the pride, the lusts, sometimes the anger. The idolatry. You know, sometimes, and the more we delve in, the more we begin to see different shades to sin. We see sin at different levels. And sometimes as we begin to dig down, it gets worse and worse and worse. You know, sometimes you say to yourself, well, you know, I'm not idolatrous. Uh, I've never been guilty of idolatry. But you know, we are, we're all guilty of it. Because if, if we're putting a focus on something that should be, our focus should be on the Lord. If our heart has been given to something where we're relegating the place the Lord should have in our heart and putting someone or something else there, then we're guilty of idolatry. And the Word of God shows us so often, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, the prophets would be going to the people 
And they would be highlighting to them the sins that they were guilty of. And Israel would be saying, but when, when did we, what, what do you mean? We, when, when were we guilty of that? So you see, this is what the heart is like. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And it's sometimes as we come to communion time and we begin to examine ourselves, we begin to say, oh, will the Lord accept me? Will the Lord sever his friendship with me? Will the Lord say, how dare you come to my table? When I Look at the state of your heart. Look at what you've been. But the wonderful thing is, he doesn't. He doesn't. His friendship is forever. That's one of the wonderful things. Uh, part of this life, that's part of what makes, I suppose, life sore and sad is that our friends pass on, our families pass on. I do believe that friendship in Christ Jesus, the union, the spiritual union that we have with one another in Christ, is a union that in one sense will continue because in glory, uh, we, we will be in glory one with another and the, we will be sharing. Everybody in glory will be sharing with one another. But at one level, friendships and marriage and all these things are for time. But not Jesus' friendship. That remains intact. Right down into death's dark veil. Right through death. That friendship is still there. It is a friendship that is for forever and ever. And it is an invaluable friendship. Because, as you and I know, a friend in need is a friend indeed. And you know that there's nothing greater than having a friend that you can go to. And you know, if you're if you're needing something, supposing you're short of something, or you say, oh, you know, it's a bad... And it, it's too late to, and you say, oh, I can phone him or phone her. Or there are things troubling you or things that have happened to you. And you need to share, you need advice, you need help. It's wonderful to have a friend that you can go to like that. Well, the great thing is that Jesus is such a friend that we can go to him any time, any place. And he says, I am the one who supplies all your needs. Uh, so it's one of the, the great and wonderful things. But Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And Jesus commands us many things. But one thing that he has commanded us to do is to remember his death in a particular way. Do this, he says. It's not an option. It's a command. Do this in remembrance of me. Examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Well, if you're in the faith, then I command you. Do this in remembrance of me. So that it's, it's, it's not an option that is open to the Christian. It is an actual command. And that's what Jesus says. You are my friends if you do uh, what I command you to do. And uh, so, as we said uh, here, the, 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 one of the, the wonderful things about friendship is that the Lord is making known to us, for I... For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known unto you. Everything, as we said, that we need for our development and growth in grace, everything is there being given to us. And I suppose one of the questions then that we ask ourselves is this, how do I know 
that I am a friend of Christ. Well, I think one of the things is that you think of him often. If you love somebody, that person will be in your thoughts. If you're close to somebody, that person will be in your thoughts. If you're a real friend of somebody, that person is in your thoughts. You don't find yourself going and saying, you know, I haven't thought about that person. I'm sure it's a good month since I thought about him or her. It's not the way. Because friendship means that you think about. And that's the same with the Lord. You will be thinking about the Lord often. It's part and part. It's It's natural. That is part of being a friend of Jesus, that you're you're thinking about him often. And uh, also, you will will seek uh, his company. If you love somebody, you want to be with that person. That's natural. And so it is with with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ. We seek his company in the word. We go to his word. It's not that, you know, we, we say, well, I want, to, I want to hear what he's saying to us. We're in prayer. We're, it's part of what you want to do. You want to, you want to speak to him. Again, we could, we could say, and that comes back to the word, you want to read the letter that he has written. You know, if you, if you love somebody, you're waiting and waiting for communication if that person is away. So supposing that person was abroad, if that person's away, far away or wherever, you're wanting to hear whether it's a phone or a text or some form of message or a letter, whatever it is, you're longing to hear. Supposing somebody was of your your family or a husband or a wife or a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, was away for quite a while and they sent a letter. The letter arrived and you, you recognize the handwriting and you say, oh, you just threw it aside. Oh, I'll read that later. And then two, three, four days later, you say, oh, I haven't read it. Oh, I haven't time. I'll read it later. That, that wouldn't happen. That letter, because someone you love, straight away, open it, read it. And so it is with, with the Word. We have an appetite for the Word. We want to read. We want to, we want to, to hear what the, what, what the Lord is saying to us. So we, we have this appetite. And we are also friends with his friends. You know, that's one of the, one of the great things. We, we want to be friends with who he is friends with. And we're always one of the things is, because again, that's one of the great marks. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And we also want to tell other people about Jesus. We want to confess him. You know, this is possibly one of the hardest parts of it. Is, and I'm sure it's one of the areas that so often we feel ashamed at just what poor witnesses we are. How good are we at actually confessing Christ before others? And I believe it's one of the things that sometimes keeps people back from coming to the table. There's, there's just this, and it's, it's a strange thing, where sometimes people say, I don't know if I can... If I, if I have the courage, do I have the courage? They say it's a huge step where I'm going to come out in the public domain. And from this moment on, you know, up until now, I can kind of hide away that I'm... I'm people say, oh, I might be... A, I, I go to church, but... But, you know, when you take that commitment, 
that you're professing Christ, you're taking of his cup, you're identifying with his broken body and his shed blood. It's a big commitment. And you know, when you take that, you're making a public statement because that's what it tells us. You show forth the Lord's death until he comes. That's what you're doing. You're proclaiming the Lord's death. And if there's anybody here tonight and you know that you should be proclaiming the Lord's death, that you should be going there, I would say to you, ask the Lord, please, Lord, help me. Don't let me put it off any longer. Lord, I need to go. You do need to go. You need to come to the session. You need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Going to the session is not a grilling. Going to the session is where we discern the Lord's body. We have to have an understanding of what it is we're doing. That we're taking the bread and taking the wine symbolically. That is speaking to us of what Jesus has done for us. It's very simple at one level. Tonight, if you are his friend, then make sure you obey his command. Let us pray. O Lord, we give thanks again for what your word shows us, shows us of ourselves and shows us of yourself. Help us, Lord, to put our trust in you and to believe in you and to know you as Lord and Savior. We ask that you will be with us and that uh, if there are those here tonight who uh, need to confess you as Lord, we pray that even tonight that they will come uh, to the session. Bless us then, we pray, and do us good and take away our sin in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude singing in Psalm 122, the Scottish Psalter. And uh, after we sing, of course, the, and Mr. McKeever will come and uh, tokens are going to be given out to uh, communicant members. And if there are those present who wish to meet with the Kirk Session, then you'll go round and come in then to meet with the Kirk Session afterwards. And if you wish to profess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, the Kirk Session would be absolutely delighted to meet with you afterwards. Psalm 122 from verse 4 uh, to the end, well that's from the middle of verse 4 uh, to the end of the psalm. <coughs> To Israel's testimony there, to God's name, thanks to pay, for thrones of judgment, even the thrones of David's house there stay. Pray that Jerusalem may have peace and felicity. Let them that love thee and thy peace have still prosperity. Therefore I wish that peace may still within thy walls remain. And ever may thy palaces prosperity retain. Now for my friends and brethren's sakes, peace be in thee, I'll say. And for the house of God, our Lord, I'll seek <coughs> thy good alway. Psalm 122, middle of verse 4. To Israel's
and peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen.